This episode is brought to you by Progressive Insurance. Whether you love true crime or comedy, celebrity interviews or news, you call the shots on what's in your podcast queue. And guess what? Now you can call them on your auto insurance too with the Name Your Price tool from Progressive. It works just the way it sounds. You tell Progressive how much you want to pay for car insurance, and they'll show you coverage options that fit your budget. Get your quote today at Progressive.com to join the over 28 million drivers who trust Progressive. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. Price and coverage match limited by state law. The following is a presentation of A's Cast, your free 24-7 nonstop destination for A's baseball. Go to athletics.com slash A's Cast to download the app. Restrictions apply. It's now time for A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. From amazing stories to colorful personalities, join us as we go in-depth with the men and women that make up the Oakland Athletics Organization. It all starts right now. Welcome to another edition of A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. we got a good one for you here on A's Cast, and you're really going to like our first guest as he is an all-time great, and he's going into the A's Hall of Fame. Vita Blue will be on the program. Then we're going to go back-to-back Dallas Braden and Shooty Babbitt. Dallas obviously doing a great job on NBC California, and Shooty the same, and Shooty one of the top scouts in all of baseball, and of course he works for the Oakland Athletics. And we'll talk about fantasy camp. That's right, fantasy camp is right around the corner, so we'll talk to Shooty in Dallas about that. And then the legend, one of the great broadcasters of all time, Yankee broadcaster John Sterling will sit down with Alex Jensen. What a treat having John on. It's not easy to get him, but we were able to get him here on A's Cast Live. But we're going to start with an all-time great. He's a three-time World Series champion, American League MVP in 1971, American League Cy Young Award winner in 1971, AL ERA leader 1971, six-time All-Star, and now going into the A's Hall of Fame, the great Vita Blue joined me on A's Cast Live. Vita, how are we doing hey today? I'm good, man. What's up? Just want to talk about you getting into the Hall of Fame. Pretty special. I'm good, man. I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. Thank you for the uh, accolades. Yeah, I found out about it about a month ago. I got a letter from uh, Mr. Cavill himself indicating that I was part of the second wave of the uh, Oakland A's Hall of Fame class, along with Campanaris, I think, and uh, it was Mr. LaRusa and Matt McGuire and uh, uh, thank uh, Mr. Haas. So I'm pretty pretty stoked about it, man. It's pretty cool. You know, when I, when I think about you and, and your career with the A's and what you meant to the A's, and your group was so special. And last time we had you on, uh, Blue Moon was with you. Your group was so tight. They were so good. Yeah, you guys fought at times, but brothers fight. That's what happens. I mean, to win three, Chris, to win three straight. Chris, we, Chris, we, Chris, we fought a lot. <laughs> <laughs> well, hey, let me tell you something. My, my, my mom would tell you how much my brother and I would fight, and I love him to death. But, you know, I mean – your group, you know, there's only been two organizations to win at least three straight World Series. That's the Yankees and you guys. And to think that, absolutely, and to think that we're all going to put a bow on this now with putting you and Campy in the Hall of Fame. It's really cool stuff. Yeah, I'm happy for Campy too. He's very deserving of it, and uh, all of us are, man. But uh, 
Hey, man, I just, you know, as I tell folks now, when they walk up to me, I'm when I'm on the golf course, hey, I, I enjoy watching you pitch. I just use the old Bill Belichick, just trying to do my job. Well, you were doing more than that because you were a rock star. And I think about someone who didn't grow up in a big city to where all of a sudden you become a national star. What was that like <laughs> for you as a young man? That's crazy. It was it was pretty crazy, man. I, uh, I, you know, as I reflect on it now in this conversation, Chris, it was like, like a fish being out of water, man. A kid from Mansfield, Louisiana, going to the Big Apple and being on the cover of Look Life, Newsweek Time, and all that stuff. But uh, I was still representing the city of Oakland, which was a pretty uh, blue-collar town at that time, and still is. Yeah, no doubt about it. And I think about your career. You're one of the guys, one of the only guys, that played both for the A's and the Giants, and you were good for both. You know, there's some guys that have played, but they haven't been good for both. You're the one guy that's really been good for both. Well, you're so kind. But let me, in all reality, I don't own, I don't own one of those green and gold, black and orange caps. That, that I've never owned. <laughs> you can't do that. you got to pick one or no, the other I, as a I fan. I can't do it. The team that plays the best, Chris, should win the game, and that's who I'm rooting for that night. Yeah, they're going to – Giants and the Athletics are going to tee it up for two days starting tomorrow at the Coliseum, so two more games in interleague play. And when you think about Burt Campaneris, it's almost – you know, and I think about quite a few of the guys on your team as you're, you're really being honored now all the time. You know, there's some guys who, you know, they got their due but didn't really get their due enough, and I think Campy's one of those guys. What do you think? I agree 100%, man. He's one of those guys that did his job, again, on a day-to-day basis. And uh, he was he was uh, a big part of that core that won the uh, three championships and the five divisional titles at one time. And uh, like I said, Chris, I'm happy for him, and it's very deserving of Mr. Campanaris to get this. Of course, I see Joe Ruta, but, of course, last night, uh, the last two days, Mr. October was in town himself, so – I got yeah he got a little FaceTime on the uh, telecast from the with the A's and the Yankees playing each other and the A's the A's look pretty strong man I'm really impressed with what they've done against Houston of course with the Yankees coming in for this series and they swept them so they they got it going on at the right time the trick is to be playing the best ball at the right time which is in August and September no doubt about it by the way what was it like dealing with a young Reggie Jackson back in the day. <laughs> I'm surprised you would ask that, man. But he was, he was, as he described himself, he was the straw that stirred the drink. But it was great because he took the pressure off the rest of the ball team. And, uh, you know, I describe it as, you know, Joe Reeder would, would get a, a, a game-winning two-run double, but the headlines next day says, Reggie says so-and-so and so-and-so and so. So he was good for us because – uh, such a, a young player, such as myself, he took a lot of pressure off me, and uh, I was glad that he got the headlines. But yeah, we were just doing our job. Well, I think about you guys doing your job, and I think about Ken Holtzman, of course, the great catfish hunter, the Hall of Famer. What was it like, you guys pushing each other in that rotation? Because it was a rotation that was second to none. Well, you're, you're absolutely right, Chris. Uh, uh, Catfish would pitch a two-hit shutout and give the ball to me the next day, and I'd try to pitch a one-hit shutout. Or Ken Holtzman the next day would try to pitch a shutout, you know. 
and uh, it went on and on and on and on, and we did motivate each other, and that was the the, the inner team competition that I think was healthy, and I, I'm not sure if teams do that now, but uh, it was healthy for us, and we all uh, uh, lived up to the challenge. Oh, yeah, I think of Ray Fossey talking about you guys only use five pitchers in a World Series. You'll never see that again. Yeah, I think that's a series where Daryl Knowles pitched in all seven games, so that's pretty cool, man, to have the uh, the rotation. But most teams are successful from pitching, 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 and we were no different. What do you think it'll be like on September 21st when you step up there to the mic to give the speech and you're wearing that green <laughs> Hall of Fame jacket? Well, it's going to be, hey, man, I, I don't know. I have emotions, but I'm a pretty emotional person. I I wore my emotions on my sleeve. And uh, once again, Chris, a kid from Mansfield, Louisiana, that's come this far, uh, such a long way from, from what I started out as a draftee from the open A's back in 1968, 69. I don't know, man. I'm going to try to keep it intact. But uh, if it if it comes down to tears, that's okay. Real men do cry, man. Well, and you got a beautiful family, and you got grandkids, and you got those daughters. When you're looking at them, that's not going to be easy. You ain't lying. The, the daughters steal your heart, man, and my daughters are, are no different. So I'm looking forward to it. It should be a great time. And uh, again, to all the inductees, Mr. Campanaris, Mr. Uh, uh, La and uh, uh, the Haas family and, and McGuire, I'm looking forward to seeing those guys. And uh, we're the second class of Oakland A's Hall of Famers, and I'm very proud of to be in, in class two. Vida, you are the best, and make sure you hit them straight down the fairway. Hey, man, I had a rough day today, man, but I got it done. <laughs> Thanks a lot, Chris. All right, CT, take it easy, brother. Sorry about the mess, mishap on the phone call. I came in and set my phone down, and I walked away from it. You apologize to you and your and your listeners, but I had a great time, and thanks you guys for always honoring me and, and being a Vida Blue fan. Uh, we love you, Vida. Take care. Thanks, Chris. He's an absolute wonderful man and so happy for him because he's an A's legend. I mean, you win three straight World Series championships, and Vita Blue was a rock star, man. Everybody in the country knew who Vita Blue was. I mean, when you're on the cover of, like, Time Magazine, forget just Sports Illustrated, Time Magazine, Vita Blue back in the day was truly a baseball star. Speaking of TV stars, Dallas Braden, we remember him for the perfect game and being a colorful left-hander for the Oakland Athletics. Now he does a terrific job being a part of the broadcast with uh, Glenn and Ray on NBC Sports California. And he is now kind of taken over as the main guy down there for for the baseball camp. So it's a lot of fun always shooting the breeze with Dallas Braden. Dallas, how are you? Yo, Estoy Aki, Townie, how we doing? All right, you, you help me out with this. Okay, so in the NFL, they don't care what your market size is. Whatever the hot story is, that's what they put in prime time. The NBA, I just mentioned Oklahoma City or Houston, whoever is the story will be in prime time. Milwaukee is now a prime time city because of Giannis. Why is it in baseball they haven't figured that out? And even though the A's swept the Yankees, they're still showing Yankee highlights they, like they had a good series. That's that's where the bias comes from. That's the that that is where the machine operates. That is where the heartbeat of the machine operates, which is on the East Coast. Look, Tony, I worked underneath that four lettered uh, that that four lettered entity out there for a while. I saw and bore witness to it firsthand. And it's really as simple as this: 
if there's a producer of a segment or a producer of a show who happens to be a fan of, well, guess what? It's, it's what we call power of the pin in the media, right? Like I can, folks, the, the journalists, they can write. Ultimately, they can write whatever they would like. So when you're in that power position to be able to give America or give the fans what it is you think is important, well, that, that's why you get force-fed some of those East Coast sports teams without realizing, wow, we've got a pretty cool storyline going there in Oakland with a team that just took three out of four from Houston, then sweeps the beast of the East that is the Yankees. But no, by all means, show us that one highlight of the Aaron Judge home run all series, please. Yeah, but but you know what? They don't – so ESPN will do that for baseball, but they won't do that for football because for football, they're going to go where the top story is. I mean, the top story could be in Green Bay with Aaron Rodgers. That's a super tiny market. Or it could be in Cincinnati. Or It's like they cover sport. Like, they'll cover the NBA and the NFL the right way, but in baseball, they drop the ball. It's because county baseball is so regional, and they don't necessarily have to run – every major storyline up the flagpole to meet their needs or check their boxes as far as, Hey, we did baseball today. What do layman fans know in passing? They hear how great the Yankees are. Well, I mean, rightfully so it's a very storied franchise, 27 championships, yada, yada, yada. But I think that's part of it. You know, that the Yankees Red Sox rivalry is big. We'd like to think that the ace giants rivalry is big. Well, it might be big if that news was getting pumped out to America from the West Coast on West Coast time. But baseball just being as regional as it is doesn't lend itself to grasping national acclaim, national attention day in, day out. And the idea that fan bases can gear up for a Sunday matchup all through the week, that helps as well. Because it's tough to get everybody excited and everybody in tune when we've got a three-game series, a four-game series. We get excited about that, but the fan bases they're in passing during that four game series. You know, they might check in with their one guy. Go. So that's why, I mean, baseball, it, it really is. It's, it's in a stranglehold of regionality, if that makes any sense. Yeah. And if they're going to get their game to where they need to be, they need to get out of that mindset. And uh, we'll, we'll figure that out at, at a, at a later date. The athletics are a 20, they're 21 games over 500. And I know you're still close to a lot of these pitchers. And I think about the starting five they have right now. We came out of spring training thinking the Achilles heel of this team was going to be the starting pitching. It's not. It's one of the strengths of this team. How proud are you of this five going right now? I mean, I am. you're right. I am beaming, County, because I do have the opportunity to, to watch these guys put their work in day in, day out. I'm down there watching bullpens, you know, just trying to, just trying to do my job so I can give the fans the little insights that, that I'm sure they're looking for that they appreciate. So uh, I, I actually had the opportunity. I, I, I talked at length yesterday at the yard uh, with Chris Bassett, and he's one of the guys that I've, I've seen just continue to show up every day with that hard hat, lunch tail mentality, get on the bump, and grind his way to getting better in his bullpen sessions, in his catch sessions. So it's little stuff like that. And in Roark, this guy shows up and is as receptive to the information as one could be. He's got a game plan. He's already impacting some of the younger guys on that staff or in the clubhouse. And that is, I mean, that is so invaluable when you've got guys that can come over halfway through that are not only trying to recapture something in themselves, but are trying to make an impact in a clubhouse, trying to fit into a clubhouse and trying to show not only themselves, but the clubhouse they're in that they were worth the move that was just made. Hey, 
maybe some guys said goodbye to some friends, you know, and, and here comes Tanner, here comes Jake Diekman here. But the starting staff County kind of reminds me of the team as a whole last year. Everybody just kind of got better together all at the same time. You saw a lot of guys take their game to the next level. And I think that is kind of what we're seeing. I mean, there's a lot to be said for a guy like Mike Fires, who's on the role that he's on right now. Some would, I think, initially call it fluky. Well, you got to think the kind of, I mean, the kind of starts he's putting together, he's getting deep into ball games, how he's going about it with his pitch repertoire. Those are things that I look at and think, wow, these are guys that not only are understanding why they're getting the outs they're getting, but they, they are doing it on another level right now. All right, I know it's going to be Players Weekend, and they're all going to have their nicknames on the back, but I got a new nickname for Mark Canna. His new nickname is Duct Tape, because whenever you need to fix something, what do you use? You use duct tape. He's had to DH. He's had to play right field. Dallas, he's playing center field, which is a premier defensive position in all of baseball. Where would the A's be without Mark Canna? I, I, Tony, I've screamed it from the mountaintops between he and Chad Pinder, and Chad Pinder hasn't necessarily gotten the same amount of opportunity that Marcana has. But either one of those guys, you can put them anywhere, it seems, on the ball field. Now, I'd be a little hesitant maybe to slide Canna anywhere other than first base if we're talking infield. But to your point, he's playing up the middle in the big leagues, a very premium defensive position. You also have to produce with the bat there, which is something he has done. We touched on this uh, last game, actually. 19 home runs for Mark Canna. 14 of those, Townie, have come against right-handed pitching. This is a guy who found himself in a left-handed platoon at one point in time. But again, getting the opportunity every day, getting the regular opportunity, you're starting to see regular, everyday-type player production. That is something that you, you welcome it, but that is why the Oakland A's are where they are right now is because he and other guys that I just mentioned have done exactly what's needed to be done in times where, look, this whole team hasn't been healthy at all, all together at any point in time during the season. Maybe the first pitch of the season, that's when everybody was healthy. Matt Olson, gone. KD, gone. Canna was down for a while. Pinder down. Piscotti down. I mean, when is the last time that this entire lineup was even healthy together, County? Imagine what this turns into. As KD slowly starts to creep and climb his way out of the funk he's been in, imagine what this lineup starts to look like. Very scary. Very scary. And the statement that they just made this week, that lets everybody know and puts everybody on notice. Should the Oakland A's find their way into the postseason? Should the Oakland A's find their way into a division series? I'll tell you one thing right now. You don't bring your earplugs because the Coliseum is no place you want to be if you're a visitor. Also very scary and a lot of fun, and I think would make an incredible Christmas gift, is A's Fantasy Camp 2020. It's going to be January 9th through the 14th. It's going to be at the A's training facility. It's going to be you. It's going to be Vida. It's going to be Campy. It's Bobby Crosby. It's Carney Lansford. You're staying at a four-star resort. You're getting to play like a big league. You're get, like a big leaguer. You get to act like a big leaguer. You're wearing the big league uniform. Fantasy camp's incredible. Then at night, you guys are having a great time with cocktails and everything. Tell us why everybody needs to get down to Mesa, Arizona for fantasy camp. If you've been to a ball game and you've wanted an autograph or maybe just even wanted a picture, if you wanted two minutes with your favorite player or any player, this is that opportunity on a whole other level, folks. This is an opportunity to show up at the yard, 
6.30 a.m. if you'd like, because that's when I get there, and we can hang out in the training room, because I'm going to have to put my body together every day to get out there and have the kind of fun we're going to have, because you're getting out there strapping it on, playing baseball with friends, with potentially family. I've watched people make their way from Australia over the last 12 years, Tony. They continue to come back because of the camaraderie and the relationships that are developed during this time. But after we're playing ball, we go in and have lunch together. We're hanging out. I mean, it's it's to the point now where my family has made friends with families that have shown up, and we're making plans to hang out after this whole thing is said and done. That's the kind of stuff that happens. So, and, and it's not lost on me that I get to meet really cool people from all walks of life. We're talking armed forces. I mean, teachers, nurses. We got a, a individual out there a few years ago, 86 years old. He got drilled in the back county, wanted to charge the mound. I was all for it, but you got to reel it in at some point. But that is the kind of stuff. I mean, at the end of the day, we've got the campers, the pros versus Joe's game. Dave Stewart is on the mound, running his mouth, just telling everybody how terrible they are. I'm playing shortstop, and he tells me, Dallas, sit down. Actually, you know what? Just turn around. Take your glove off and lay down. That's the kind of stuff that you get to do day in, day out. I mean, Stu? Lansford, Campy, come on. You're talking world champions. You're talking some of the greatest players to have ever played the game, who played on one of the greatest teams, 1989, that I know you were a fan of growing up, that we're going to honor on Sunday. You know, Shooty Babbitt, our buddy's going to join us next, is going to be there. I mean, you're staying at a four-star resort in Scottsdale. You're playing ball. I, I really think... Like this is the ultimate. I mean, the I mean, you should sign up now. But I think this is the ultimate, like Christmas gift to give somebody. Well, it's not only not only Christmas gift, but you think about you think about new and fun ways to celebrate things like moments in life or team building exercises. This is a great way to get some folks in the office, get you know, rallying the troops and come out and spend a week together. Obviously, look, one of the coolest things that I think we do is kangaroo court as well. So. There's going to be some mistakes made. Folks are going to not be at the place they should have been, or they're going to make a crazy play. It's going to be funny. We're going to laugh about it that next morning, and that happens every morning. So you want to know what goes on in a big league clubhouse? You want to know how they talk to each other, how they treat each other, what goes on? Well, we pull back the curtain because that's the kind of life you're living for a week right next to shoulder-to-shoulder with some of your favorite players. That's what's so cool about it for me. Why should we have Jamie Moyer there? Goose Gossage. I mean – I'm in awe. I, I get excited about it every year because I never know who the heck's going to show up. And that's what's really cool about it. It's just a surprise. takes you back to being a child. You get and to wear a big league uniform, playing on a big league ball diamond. Enjoy your night off. We'll see you tomorrow at the yard. All right, Uncle Tony. We'll see you, brother. Be good. I say it all the time. Fantasy camp would be a terrific Christmas gift. I mean, you go down there and it's like you're in the big leagues and you're playing with ex-big leaguers. And I, I'm hoping we're going to be down there. I'm trying to get... A's cast and A's cast live down there this year. I'm hoping to do it. So, and then I could be drinking beers with you down there. Shooty Babbitt will also be at fantasy camp. But the thing about Shooty for me is he is truly one of the top scouts in major league baseball. I mean, his eye for talent and breaking down players. There's really nobody better former a and now scout and does pre and post on NBC Sports California, A's pre- and post-game live. Here is Shooty Babbitt. This guy you never got to warn because he is the absolute man. He's one of the top evaluators 
in all of baseball, and it's great to have him back with the Oakland Athletics, the great Shooty Babbitt, the best-dressed man on television, also on NBC California. How are you, Shooty? County, County! I'm doing fantastic, my brother. How are you today? You know what I'm loving right now is I can honestly say to you where the A's are on August 23rd. It's exactly what you want to be able to say about your ball club. Your destiny is in your own hands. They are tied, a virtual tie, atop the top wild card. So the A's, to get into the postseason, it's all in their hands now. It's make or break, and it's on them. You know, and the amazing part of the county is just the process which everything came together. You know, if you think back early on in the early part of March and we're down there in spring training and wondering where we're going to get the port of starting pitching from and not looking at the great depth that has been built in the history of the people running things here of making sure that they make the right moves at the right time. And, man, oh, man, it's just a 162-game season. So many different things go on to try to build a playoff contending team. And, you know, all the ins and outs and the injuries and other things that you have to deal with, let alone the slumps of hitters, the personalities, the weather, the conditions, the travel, you name it, you've got to deal with it. And, lo and behold, you look up every year when people discount uh, the heights that the A's can reach. You look up, and they're right there with the teams that are contending. So this has been a tremendous year. You know, all the new growth, the activity, you know, the things that people are building off the field and around the field, and the product on the field is growing like the Jolly Green Giant, man. And, Shooty, the bottom line is for six months when you're, doing, when you're dealing with human beings, you got no idea what's going to happen. No, people read everything, and I think that's one of the great things about the A's clubhouse. Every clubhouse has issues. I don't care. When you're together as long as these young men are, and the tests are on level is as high as ever every day when they come to the yard because they're competing at the highest level. They're playing in the biggest ballpark in the country. When you talk about this league, Tony, you know I tell you all the time, ain't no league bigger than this league that we get an opportunity to watch every day. But, man, oh, man, it's just amazing how they're able to keep it together. And Bob Melvin, the man that's leading the crew. I mean, you're talking about keeping an even kill and a competitive edge every single day. Uh, I don't think there's any question that he's got to be considered one of the top favorites right now for American League Manager of the Year. How much fun is it down the stretch we're going to have watching A.J. Pot come out of the bullpen and blow absolute cheese with a nasty slider. Oh, man. Cheddar. Thank you, brother. You know, I'm, I'm looking at young Randy Johnson, and I've got an opportunity to see him ever since that he broke in with the A's organization. And it's just natural for you to compare because of the body, the disposition, uh, the dreaming, the live arm, but give player development a tremendous amount of credit. It's so easy to try to rush a kid like this because you know what the upside is. But it's like gumbo, man. You just don't throw shrimp and chicken in the pot and call it gumbo. You got to let it simmer. You got to throw a little of this, a little of that in there. You got to taste it. You got to tweak it. You got to do a whole lot of things before you're going to present it to the world as being gumbo, man. And you got a chance to see what gumbo got a chance to be the other night. Electric, easy cheese. And he throw them little small ones we used to talk about that you'd be squinting your eyes trying to see. Them little pebbles coming up there, man. Ooh-wee. What a great time to get them, man.
No doubt. And the fact that what he can provide out of the bullpen like David Price did for the Rays way back in, in 2008. And I think about this starting five, and I just talked about this with Dallas Braden, and we're talking about all these young pitchers, but the way this five's vibing off each other right now, I'm not taking any of these guys out of the rotation. How do you feel about the five that Bob Melvin's putting out there in the starting rotation? Well, I don't think Bob Melvin is putting them out there. I think they're putting themselves out there, and I think that's always been a glaring strength of this team as well is that there's so much – competitive or excuse me competitive balance throughout the roster at every position and guys are fighting for playing time guys are trying to achieve goals and put up numbers so they can continue to get an opportunity to play we've got guys that have been considered by other clubs i was sitting with a couple of scouts last night that was saying i can't believe what i'm saying mark canna do because he was an up down fourth fifth outfielder for evaluated him a couple of years ago but when you don't have them, you, don't, you can't appreciate the value that they bring every day because you don't get a chance to smell their breath or, or feel their heart rate like the club does. So it's great that they have that. You look down in AAA, the Dark Knight is really doing well down there. Uh, you look at John Manaya, He might be a guy that you might consider. James Caprillion down in AA. I mean, it just gets better and better when you look at the moves that have been made in the past and how they may have some type of impact on the present. So it's just so intriguing. It's so wonderful to see the moves that have been made. You and I can sit up here all day and talk about some of the things that have happened in the catching department, but we never would have thought that we would have got the production that we have. But once again, guys are seeking the opportunity. Garneau was on the scrap heap. He did everything that you possibly could do to be an everyday starting catcher in his brief time. That just goes to show you when people are back into a corner, these top-rated, these top um, – star players when they're back in the corner, man. You get an opportunity to see how good they are. Right now, it seems like we just got a bunch of guys that's playing with their back in the corner, and they're going to fight their way out of it. You know, Marcus Simeon is not a rah-rah guy, but if you want to talk about one of the greatest examples of leading by example, plays every day, leadoff hitter, productive, overcame the issues of fielding and throwing and now is one of the best shortstops in all of baseball. Talk about how a guy doesn't have to be vocal but can be a great leader of a team. Well, I think if you go to www.professional.com, his picture probably will pop up because he exemplifies that in every way of the word. You say it, he does it. He goes out, he plays hard. You know, a couple of years ago, I saw Marcus and I asked him, I said, man, you don't talk much. I said, man, you're at the big leagues now. Don't be afraid to speak up a little bit. You know, do a few interviews, man. You know, raise your uh, your brand a little bit. He said, shooty, all I do is put my head down and try to let my actions speak for themselves. And this is from a young man. And, you know, they don't typically call a young man wise because he really doesn't know anything. But you can tell that he's been well-raised. He's well-mannered. Uh, he's the type of guy that you want to go to war with. He acts like he's been there before. If he makes a mistake, uh, the one mistake that I saw Marcus make, and he let his emotions show this year, was on a play at shortstop. And I think it preceded uh, Stanky Odor over in Texas trying to throw a forearm at him in a rundown play and disrupt the play, and it was a dirty play. And Marcus is not one to react in a way that quiet guys do when you finally make them mad. I mean, they turn into a Tasmanian devil and will tear up the place. 
and that's the kind of guy Marcus is, so you probably don't want to upset him. But I know he was steaming from that play. But most of the time, he doesn't wear his emotions on his sleeve. He leads by example, and he is a true professional, and he's the type of guy that we should see his face all over billboards in the Bay Area as being homegrown, and this is what we represent because he truly represents the green and gold. Yeah, I want to see that contract extension for him, no question. Want to keep him here, his family, wife and kids. It's all about the Bay Area, being from Cal, growing up in San Francisco. He's a guy that's got to be here long term. I want to get into scouting because I'm reading the MVP machine, this book that just talks about how baseball has changed, the way we evaluate. You know, they go back to money ball but the days the money ball stuff that's over it's now all about technology it's about radar it's about these high-speed cameras you know just talk about the evolution from your time in baseball from when you started to how you guys evaluate players now (laughs) well it's just like everything else Tony. i mean life's in the world evolves i mean it was a time when guys scouted and the guys that were successful guys that didn't mind getting their cars and driving for miles and hours to find a player that they heard about, and they didn't have anything to evaluate them but their eyes and their ears. They put their name on a piece of paper with a phone number, tell them to get in touch with them. Next thing you know, they're working out for this guy. The next thing you know, they're working for that guy. And who knows, you might get an opportunity. Now you've got to go on what you've seen, somewhat of what you heard and what you know. Now you have so much information to make decisions. Sometimes you can be littered with information and a guy can be confused. I played with a lot of guys that wasn't very smart when you start talking about school stuff. But when you're talking about instincts, you're talking about competitors, you're talking about guys that had an unwillingness to lose at no matter what, guys that fought, knew how to fight off pitches, how to make guys make mistakes, speed up guys' game. I mean, you name it. You know, they may not have been able to answer some of them questions about the Pythagorean theorem and all of that kind of stuff. Man, when they said play ball, though, you wanted them on your team. So I respect where everything is going. My whole main ingredient, whole um, idea is to hope that we continue to keep the fans involved, keep their understanding of the game growing, and keep their interest high and hope that young boys and young men want to continue playing this great game because they're our future. And those are people that we have to appeal to because they're the ones that are going to grow the game. So I don't want it to get too confusing. You know, let's play ball, let's see ball, let's hit ball. Now, if you can tell me something and prove it to me and show me how it's going to make it easier for me to do that, I got my ears wide open because you know you had that shillelagh in your hand. And, man, oh, man, it's a tough thing to do is to put bat on ball especially when you got somebody out there trying to keep you from doing it, man. You you want not only to have great athletes and you want guys w- with great upside and potential, but also how important is it for you as a scout to make sure you're finding the right guys, that you're finding good guys because – Bad guys don't work in the A's clubhouse. It, it just, it's not, you, you got to have a certain attitude. And if you don't have the right attitude, you're not going to survive in the A's clubhouse. It's a very unique place. Talk about how you got to not only find skilled guys, but you got to find the right guys. Well, there are boxes when you're evaluating that tells you what is a guy's role. Stars define theirs just like role players do. And as soon as you understand which one you are and you try to make sure 
that you excel in that role, I think the better off you're going to be because whatever you do, you're going to affect the people around you. It's just like them little guys. They set the table for them big guys. There was a time that the only time guys pitched in the stretch is when a guy got them out of the windup, and that's when he started making mistakes because guys on the bases speeded them up, and they made mistakes. But you better understand your role, and you better come to the yard every day wanting to fulfill that. There's only 25 guys on the roster, and there are guys waiting and fighting and scratching to get one of those spots. And you may hear me say it over and over, and it may become redundant, but I think it's so great that you have a roster where nobody can just sit there on their laurels and talk about what they've done and not worry about what they're going to do. Somebody's always looking to take your job, and you have to love the way that these guys pull for each other. I mean, it's hard to pull for somebody when you're the 24th man sitting on the bench and getting run and getting high-fived, and, you know, you're getting to play once a week. But, man, when you're playing that once a week, I don't care what you do. They've got an expectation for you, and you better go ahead on and fulfill that role. And that's where Bob Melvin comes in because if there is a skipper out there that communicates with his players, whether it's good or bad, I think the number one thing for Melvin is that his guy's shooty, and you can talk to this as a scout, you can talk to this as a former player, whether it's good or bad, you always know where you stand with Bob. Well, and that's why they call you a player's manager. I mean, this guy is, you're talking about seasoned. Uh, He's played in both leagues. He's managed in both leagues. He's scouted. He's been in player development. I mean, when you start talking about a resume, it's not many boxes that Bob Melvin can't check when it comes to uh, being qualified to work in this industry. But everything that he's been through and everything that he's learned, I think the one thing that he does among many is he really knows how to treat a guy. He really knows how to treat young players. He tries to put them in a position where they can't fail. And I think today, one of the most difficult things to do is to uh, have a great relationship with the people upstairs and have an opinion. When they respect what you do, and you can tell that Bob Melvin is not a bobblehead guy that he's constantly shaking his head up and down with everybody <laughs> tells him to do. He has, he has a heart rate. You know what I mean? You can tell by the respect that they give him by the way that he runs things down there. So, um, uh, like I said, man, I, I work with Bob. Uh, we were together uh, in Arizona. We scouted together uh, with the Mets. Um, this is a guy that has an even kill. His demeanor never changes. Uh, you would consider him a true gentleman. I think that's probably the highest compliment that you could pay to any man is to call him a gentleman, and Bob Melvin, Melvin is truly that. Hey, we're going to see you down at fantasy camp, right? Man, look here. One of my favorite times of the year. Um, I'm looking forward to it because there's been some changes. There's been some young energy. Matt Langton and his group are doing some things that's going to make it fabulous this year. Dallas Braden bringing his new energy and the new group of guys that they're bringing in. Uh, if you're an A's fan, talk to some of the guys that have been to the fantasy camp in the past. The Steve Douglases, the Mike Mellows. Uh, it, it's an incredible lifetime friendship. You meet guys or people or ladies that have an impact on you for the rest of your life. The fans get an up-close and an intimate relationship with some of the players that they've only seen from afar, that they never even knew that they were these type of guys. For example, there are not many people that knew Dave Stewart was as loving and engaging and as uh, truly a great person as he is because all they saw was about two inches of eyeballs staring down them hitters at the plate and just fork-balling and fast-balling to death and staring them down as he pimped off the mound. So, But now 
when you're in fantasy camp, like me, to get a chance to meet my childhood idol, Burt Campanaris, who's born on the same day as I am. Me, Burt Campanaris together, coaching and being together in fantasy camp. I'm in fantasy camp myself, man. <laughs> so, yeah, you're going to see me. Hey, I paid my own way to come down there. They don't, don't tell them I said that, man. But look here, I look forward to coming to fantasy camp, Tony. All right, we're going to have to have Cody get that out of the interview. He is not paying his own way, but he would. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. I mean, that's the thing. It's like, you know, you, you, you're like standing there and you're like, you're like looking at guys that are, I mean, Vita Blue's going to be there. You're talking about a guy who's, he was a rock star of rock stars in the 70s. I mean, you, you're around guys that are part of the history of the game, world champions, MVPs, Cy Young Awards. This is greatness you're around. And, you know, the great part of it is that it's unedited, it's, uh, can be rated R at times, but you're around a bunch of grown folks and you get it straight from the guy's lips. And a lot of times these things that you wonder when you're looking at them on TV or you read about, you get a chance to ask them because after about three or four days, they really make you feel like you're one of the guys. You get there, you've got your major league uniform, you've got your locker room, you're showering in the clubhouse, you're having dinner and meals. I mean, after three or four days, man, you understand what it's like being part of fantasy camp and you can't wait to sign up for the next year. And it, it, it's just a beautiful thing among fans and former players. And uh, there's a rumor I might be making an appearance. Hey, Tommy, I hope you healed up from that rotor cuff, man, because I almost killed Marty Lurie one year throwing that soft stuff he had up there. I don't think he's been on the mound since talking all that crap, man. So uh, I know you got to change up in the fork ball, but you better go talk to somebody about spitting on it or something, man, so you can make it sink. Bro. Uh, oh, I I'm talking about raising the level of the nighttime activity, not the daytime. <laughs> Oh, you're the best, cuz. You are the best. <laughs> All right, my friend. We'll see you out at the ballpark. You're the best. Hey, man. Thanks for having me, Tony. Go A's. And I also need to say one of the best dressed guys in all of television and all of baseball, but really a good man, Shooty Babbitt, and I'm glad he's back with this organization because it's where he belongs. Well, John Sterling, we know him for all the colorful home run calls, the Giambino, and they go on and on and on. But he's been an Iron Man and finally took some time off. But John Sterling is a legend. He's one of the greats and one of the most colorful in the history of Major League Baseball when you talk about play-by-play -play guys. And he's just not doing it in Timbuktu. He's doing it in New York City, the biggest market for the biggest franchise, the New York Yankees. Here is John Sterling sitting down with Alex Jensen. John, first of all, Thank, thanks for joining us. I really appreciate it. It's, it's a pleasure to meet you. We, we've been calling you broadcasting's Iron Man. Uh, Cal Ripken's got nothing on you over 5,000 consecutive games. What, what, I mean, how, did, how do you go through so many years without taking a break? Well, actually, um, it was even more than that because I really began this in uh, November of um, 1981. I did my first Hawks game in Atlanta. And then when I did the Hawks and Braves, I had five years where I was doing about 220 games a year. Isn't that amazing? Oh, my goodness. But I never thought about it. I never thought about the streak. I never cared about it. I didn't go to work every day saying, oh, you can add one more to the streak. Uh, all I did was go to work every day. Now, what you can figure, Alex, we haven't even met yet. Hi, Alex. I'm, I'm Alex. Nice to meet you, John. Nice it's a meet pleasure. You. I was told you're Alex. Yes, so that's, that's me. <laughs> Guilty. Um, 
you know, you could gather from it that's a labor of love, that I love doing what I'm doing. So even on days when I didn't feel well, you know, I got my tail to the ballpark and broadcast the game. And, and finally, I, I really felt uh, sick. Uh, the London trip didn't help. Yeah. And we had, I had th- two flights in three days. And so my program director, wonderful guy named Mark Chernoff, kept going to me and said, you got to take time off. And all my friends, Tom Hamilton of the Indians, Denny Matthews of Kansas City, and others said, you've got to take games off. You've got to take it. So I took four games off. And the publicity was just unbelievable. And um, I guess people thought I was dying or something because I took four <laughs> games off. It's just I'm a jerk. I hadn't taken it off in 38 years. So anyway, that's that's that. It's all over. No one's going to get close to it. And as I've kidded, I wouldn't I wouldn't think so. Uh, I, no one. Not 38 years of never missing a, uh, a broadcast. And anyway, if anyone ever approaches it, I'll probably be dead by then anyway. So, you know, not, not a big thing. So what did you do your, with yourself during your time off? I mean, was it was it nice to have the time off? Were you going crazy? I mean, how, how oh, was that no, for you? Oh, no, no. I entertain myself very well. And um, I have four kids, and, I mean, I have a very <laughs> busy life. It was great. And let me tell you, it was great. I didn't miss it at all. And, um, you know, who knows? Maybe next year I'll start on a regular basis taking, you know, uh, certain road trips off, you know. You know, the toughest part of the job, I always tell everyone, including my bosses at Entercom, um, the broadcast in the game is the easiest thing I do. Sure. Okay. It, it's everything else. And with the Yankees, they don't give the Yankees, like tonight, getaway day games. And so we keep getting into the next city at like 3.30 or 4 in the morning, and that is by far the toughest part of the job. Easiest part is broadcasting the games. And once the likes go on, I mean, it's like it's like riding a bike, right? I mean, it's, absolutely, yeah. absolutely. Once I once, you know, uh, the the mic is on and I have to start. I start uh, just running my mouth. That's all. So <laughs> it isn't very tough. You, you can't get into this business unless unless you're not good or unless you're good at running your mouth, right? I mean, that's right. kind of what we all do. Yeah. Welcome, welcome to A's Cast Live, by the way, John. How, well, how do you like you. Our, our setup here on the field watching BP? We're watching your Yankees take BP right now. It's fabulous, and you're surrounded by very lovely women. <laughs> have, have you noticed? So, no, this is very, very nice. I, you know, I've loved coming out to um, uh, Northern California. I cannot tell you for so many years, and it's always been a kick. Now, I did basketball for years. Yes. And I'd come out with uh, the Bullets and the, the Nets and then the Hawks. And go into the building right next to you, yeah. and uh, it was always a kick. You know, you'd you'd leave the freezing cold northeast, and you'd come out here and you'd feel rejuvenated. How how did you? I always think this this is fascinating to ask broadcasters such as yourself because this business is so crazy, as I've learned that it is. since I've been here. But how did you get into broadcasting? Well, actually, I'm just talking with a buddy of mine who broadcasts the Atlanta Hawks, Steve Holman, and um, you know we're buddies, so we catch up with each other and. And we kidded about, uh, today, three of my children started college. Congratulations. Three different colleges. I wish you'd help me write the checks. And, um, and so Steve and I were talking about how we never had to wonder what we were going to do for a living. I knew when I was 8, 9, 10, I was going on the air. Now, I, I told him a story. I'll tell you the story on the air. I read Eddie Fisher's book. You know what Eddie Fisher is? I don't. How sad. <laughs> uh, well, his daughter 
it was Carrie Fisher. Do you know oh, yes, her? I know okay. Carrie Fisher, yes. And and the mom was Debbie Reynolds, and they both died, as you know, within a, a day of each other. And uh, anyway, Eddie Fisher was a little boy growing up, terrible upbringing, you know, poverty-stricken in Philadelphia, horrible father. And he was a little boy. So he, had a, he was a big star in the 50s, 60s. Uh, every, every record was a hit record, and he had a great voice. And he said he was six or seven or eight, whatever he was, and he opened up his mouth to sing, and out came this glorious sound. And he knew then he was going to be a singer. So you know, it's very tough on my kids. I have four in college. One is graduating in, in the end of this year. And um, I don't know if they know what they want to do. I, they may know an area, want to go into business or whatever. Whereas I didn't have that problem. I knew when I was 10 years old I was going to be on the air. Hey, what's changed about the business since, since that time? I mean, what's, what's the biggest change that you've noticed? Boy, that's a very good question. Um, I don't think it's, uh, it's very competitive as it's always been. Sure. But now there are a lot more outlets. Uh, the AM uh, band is jammed. The FM band is jammed um, uh, because of cable. Uh, they, it's like having, you know, 1,000 TV stations. You know, and whatever you want to be interested in, there's a, a cable outfit that just does that. So I think that's a big change in the business. What about the Yankees this year? I mean, how have they done this? Because they've used the injured list, by my count, 16 times. You've got John Carlos Stanton on the injured list. You've got Aaron Hicks, uh, Miguel Andujar, Greg Bird, Luke Vaughn. I mean, you, the list goes on. And when Encarnacion. Oh, it's phenomenal. How, how have they done this? Well, it's, it's, I think, one of the most exciting years uh, because they have come up. Um, Brian Cashman, you have to pat him on the back, Brian and his his merry men, and they have come up with terrific players because when you look at the Yankees, everyone's been injured. Judge has been on the DL. Yep. Sanchez has been on the DL a couple of times. You named the, the others, and uh, you have to give Aaron Boone credit for keeping the team together, being positive, and uh, they come up with Gio Urshela out of the blue, and he's hitting like 340 with power. He's a great fielding third baseman. Uh, D.J. LeMay, who has been the greatest addition, he's been the MVP all year long. Uh, Cameron Mabin, Mike Tockman. Uh, you saw Mike Ford hit a home run last night. So they Not keep, a cheapie either. That, that no, was, and yeah. their starting pitching is not great. It's been very, very inconsistent. Uh, how have they done this? And um, it's been remarkable that they've done it and have, you know, such a phenomenal record. I mean, they're battling Houston for the best record in the league. And they're battling the Dodgers for the best record in baseball, which all the Yankees, they know that they want it because they want the extra home game in the playoffs. You know, comes time for the seventh game, you want it at Yankee Stadium. Oh, and that, that, we that saw it. that last year with the wild card uh, game. Absolutely. So yeah. um, it's been a very unusual year and, and in many ways the most exciting and most satisfying. Uh, I'd say my favorite year has been was 96. Uh they gave the managerial job to a buddy of mine, Joe Torrey. It was so great. And uh, they surprised everyone by going all the way. You know, in 98, they had such a great team. It didn't surprise anybody. But yep. 96, well, this year is a big surprise. So you grew up in Manhattan, correct? I did. So did you grow up a Yankee fan? Yes. So of those years, I mean, can, what was special about that, growing up as a Yankee well, fan? Well, when, able... when I grew up, uh, my buddies were all Yankee fans. Sure. They're still my buddies after all these years. And um, 
you know, the, it's phenomenal how much the Yankees won then. So we thought, hey. That's the way it is. That's the way it is. Yeah. If they didn't win it in a certain year, my goodness, what happened, you know? <laughs> and Yankee fans, unfortunately, are like that. You lose a game. Hey, what's going on? Right. You know? So, um, yeah, I grew up a Yankee fan, and uh, but I love the other teams. I love the players from other teams, and I've loved that to this day. Uh, I've broadcast football, basketball, baseball, and hockey, and um, I've always loved to see the other stars come in. The Yankees and the A's have, have built a little bit of a rivalry, I guess you could say, over the last 20 years or so, going back to the division series right. uh, matchups in the early 2000s, of course, last season. When you think about the Oakland A's and, and what they've done under Billy Bean, what do you think about? Well, they always make changes. Bean makes changes. Bob Melvin's a fabulous manager. And, you know, they, they spend the first half of the year kind of sorting things out, and then they come up with their team, and they're great in the second half, and they're, they're really tough here. And the yeah. Yanks have had a lot of problems winning games yeah. here, like the last two nights. Um, so they're a team that gets the most out of their – Ability and they have a good team. Hey, they have a really good team, yeah. and uh, they've added to it in the second half of the year. So Billy Bean and David Frost to do a heck of a job. They sure do, and, and you know I think that the kind of the cores, the offensive cores, maybe mirror each other a little bit. Maybe a little bit on the younger side, a lot of firepower. Do you do you see kind of uh, two similar teams, two similar maybe offensive teams, especially when you look at these two clubs? Yeah, I, I don't think, uh, especially in baseball, it's so different than the other sports, and it's so dependent on your pitching. And um, I don't think there are great differences between Oakland and Houston and Cleveland and the Yankees. Boston's having an off year. And uh, Tampa, there, there, there aren't grave differences. I always love it when people talk about how, well, they're going to go in the playoffs or they're going to go to the World Series. Really? Well, who are they going to play in the first <laughs> round? Can you tell me that? Who's going to be injured? With the Yankees, they have an injury every single day. Yeah. Uh, that is one thing that's really changed about baseball. In the old days, they didn't get hurt. They were on one-year contracts. They're showing you the time, so I guess we have to get off. Oh, no, we're, we're good. We're, we're totally, this, is, uh, this is great sitting here talking to you. So I, I'd be remiss if I didn't ask about your home run calls. That, that's, uh, I mean, that's when I think of John Sterling. That's that's what I think of. Uh, how how did you? Is this something you kind of always done? Uh, the the personalized home run calls for for each player? Uh, no, I, I don't think so. Um, I've always uh, done something different. When I did the Nets and Bernard King was a rookie and he was great. Uh, the the players called him BB for the guitarist BB King. Mm-hmm. Well, I called him Bernard Sky BB King when he would when he would race down court and jam. Um, in in Atlanta, uh, I, I developed an enormous friendship with Dominique, and he loved it. And he would make a great move, and I'd say Dominique is magnifique. Awesome. And it, it it caught on. So I never thought about it. Then when I I um, doing the Yankees. Uh, it, it began with Bernie Williams. Somehow he had a home run one day, and I'd say, burn, baby, burn. And um, then I did it for a couple of other people, and soon it became a cottage industry. It's nothing. Again, I'm very lucky. Things happen that just work out. Um, you know, the Yankees win call, it just, it just happened. You know, I'd say Yankees win, the Yankees win, and one day – I put rock and roll into it. Yankees win. The Yankees win. And it, you hear it come back. When you hear it come back, you know that it's hit the public consciousness. 
And so that's like the home run call. Now I have to do a home run call for everyone, and that's really tough. But, um, but I do it as best I can, and it catches on. Now we have a young player um, named Mike Tockman. Yes. Better than anyone thought. They made a deal for him on the first day of the year. They sent a left-hand pitcher named Philip Deal to Colorado and got Tockman, and, and Brian Cashman said that they had their eye on Tockman for a while. So when he hit a home run, I said, Tockman, the Sockman. And uh, now there are T-shirts out. <laughs> so you know that it, it went over okay. So, so is that how you just kind of think of it, like whatever kind of comes to you? Or, well, I mean, a lot of them, the, the, the best ones are the ones that just come to you. you oh, know, yeah. Robbie Cano, don't you know, and, and A-bomb from A-Rod. Well, others, you know, I have to think a little bit. If you and were- I don't think great either. <laughs> <laughs> Well, John, it's been a pleasure talking to you. I really appreciate you coming by our set here at A's Cast Live. Next time, next year you guys are in town, we'd love to have you on again. And who knows, maybe in October. Maybe maybe we'll see you again in October. You never know. Well, that would be great. I'd love it. Thank you. I enjoyed it very much. Thank you. We hope you enjoyed A's Unfiltered with Chris Townsend. Thank you so much to Vita Blue, Dallas Braden, Shooty Babbitt, and John Sterling from the New York Yankees. Well, we're coming down the stretch of the season. There's only one more homestand. Make sure you come by and see me in the treehouse. Thank you for listening to A's Unfiltered right here on A's Cast. This has been a presentation of the Oakland Athletics. It's blazing hot outside. You get in your car to turn on the AC to get cold air pumping, but it blows hot air out. This issue is commonly caused by low refrigerant due to leaks in the AC system. You want an easy, all-in-one solution that will restore the cold air in no time. AC Pro Recharge Kits. Make restoring cold air easy for even those with zero DIY experience in less than 10 minutes. Save time and money versus going to a shop by picking up an AC Pro Recharge Kit today. Be a pro with AC Pro.